sincere dedication, firmly planted, Father. And ultimately, you will get the glory because of your presence here today. We give you the glory and the honor of a praise for what you will accomplish in Jesus' name. And all those that are in agreement said, Amen. Let's give it up for our the praise and worship team. Hallelujah. They invited me to get a little workout in. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. So before you are seated, I want you to high five three people and tell them you look good today. Praise the Lord. Good morning, Linked Up Church. All right, last weekend, Pastor Gregory ministered on what? Don't be scared, don't be scared. Run to win. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in the Passion Translation, verses 24 and 25, which was the foundation scripture. He says, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. He read out of the King James, but I'm, I just want to make it plain. Because I believe the Spirit of God just has something in store for you. So basically, the, run, the name of this, the title of this is Run to Win Part 2. I'm just taking on the baton and keeping on running with the race. Amen. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 and 25, Isn't it obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win? But only one received the victor's prize. Yet each one of you must run the race to be victorious. A true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that quickly withers. But we run our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. Last week, Pastor Gravy gave you seven outstanding methods in which you can win. But how many of you know that it's one thing to win, but it's another thing to have a winning lifestyle? So we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you seven strategies, seven keys to the strategy of winning, of having, living a winning lifestyle. Just keeping it real, just keeping it plain, all right? I'm going to bring it to you the only way God knows how to use me to bring it to you. So if you would, pay attention to the video. Party meter needed here. It's going to be very, very difficult for Michelle Finn here, future Olympian, to rein this one in. She's got too much of a gap. Can she hold out off CIT here in third place as DCU set off at a strong pace as UCC looked good in fifth and looked like they were past that DCU in fourth place. The big battle here is for second call. It is. It's between Cork and that oh, is I UL at the moment. Soon. CIT and UL, but it can. But you see, it is fading, and Michelle Finn to turbo blaster jets of the steeplechase specialists uh -oh. are being turned on with 250 to go. Eight meters to get there. Six meters. Oh, five meters. Get she is going to go past the UCL. It is out of her feet. Michelle Finn, the future Olympian, powers on by. Here comes CIT. Another effort in the home stretch. And here comes UCC. I think we're going to get third. UCC from the depths of hell are pouring through. Oh, Michelle Finn is saying. Here comes UCC. Here comes UCC on the outside as well. And it's the Lily of UCC. Pouring down the outside. It's unbelievable. Michelle Finn. She's out on her feet. Oh, it's unbelievable. 
going through. Don't care what life looks like. God will take that baton from behind. You might be in third place. You might be in fourth place. Shucks, you might be in fifth place. But when you give your baton to Jesus, he will more than make up the stagger. He will more than raise you from the promised land. He will more than give you to the first place prize. And he don't care what the beginning of your race looks like because he wins. He wins. Now, y'all, wow, sit down. That commentator, that, that camera panned on the first three people. That runner wasn't even in a camera shot. In fact, they didn't even give the race to her. They were so concentrated on that third place, went runner, second place runner running up there. But this girl said, you know what? I don't need your cameras. You know what? I forgot I was in fifth place. You know what? And that's what Jesus does with us, baby. He don't care how you ran that race. Just give him the baton. And when you give him the baton, I'm telling you, he's more than picking up them high knees, kicking it out, and making up the stagger. Amen? Turn your... Well, no. Now. Some of us do run our race a little differently. I pray that I'm not talking to anybody here. Because... Well, turn with me to really quick to First Peter chapter, Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, verse three A, it says, according as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Jesus has fixed the race. But yet some of us sometimes decide to run our race a little differently. Check out this video. situations make choices that will propel us to run to chase something that we already have and we lose the bonus blessing on the side that tail already belonged to that dog he already has it but chasing that tail caused him to lose the bonus <laughs> Y'all gonna have this image in your head for the rest of the week. <laughs> Some of us run the race according to the rules and we attain our prize, but there are others that run the race, depending on the situation, according to our own rules, chasing a prize that we already own, but then missing and losing what was rightfully ours. 
Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Pastor Greg was talking about the one that receives the victor's prize and how we have to run our race. See, there's only one person, there's always one person who's already ran it. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, stay with 2 Corinthians 1. I'm just going reflecting back right now. It says, each one of you must run the race to be victorious. But it says here in um, 9, 24 and 25, that but only one receives the victor's prize. See, Jesus already got the prize for you. In that first video, that girl got the prize. But guess what? The whole team gets to celebrate. That whole relay gets, a, gets the medal. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 20 in the Passion Translation says, For as God is true to his word, my promise to you was not a fickle yes when I meant no. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is the one whom Tim Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you. And he has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be for us a resounding yes. For all of God's promises, find their yes of fulfillment in him. And as his yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring him glory. When our yes and our amen align to that same course of the race, then that means that he is obligated to give you your prize. So, training strategies for a winning lifestyle. You ready? Set. Let's go. Number one, choose. Choose. We're talking about having a winning lifestyle, which means these are, just as Pastor Gregory ministered on last week, these are decisions you have to make every single moment, not day, moment in your life. Every minute that you are awake, every minute that you are breathing, you have a choice to make. Will your choice be life or death? Will it be work or play? Will it be now or later? Will it be left or right? Will it be today or tomorrow? Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 in the King James. It says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. You know what God is saying back then, and he's saying it even louder today, that heaven and earth already know that everything you need in this life is right here before you. All heaven and all earth has already been set up, primed and primed, to have all things pertaining to life and godliness right here in front of you. But the enemy has made it very convenient for you to choose death. So therefore, choose life so that you and your seed. See, the decisions that you make impact generations of tomorrow. Decisions that you make today impact generations of tomorrow. We all were created to serve someone or something. That was the basis of our creation, that we, we, that we would exercise our free choice to love God and serve him. But when, and that was before the foundation of the earth, but when the enemy came here in here 
All he did was make what was meant to serve God only a perverted menu of other things and people to serve, beings to serve. So whether you like it or not, you're going to serve something. You're going to serve something. God's goal and his ideal, his plan was that we would serve the only true and living God. But some serve lust. Some serve addiction. Some serve sin. Some serve money. Check this out. Some serve their spouse. Some serve their children. You're going to serve something. Agnostics and atheists serve something. It's just in us to do. We are going to work and train and make decisions on someone or something, but we want to be conscious to be sh- and be sure that we make our decisions for the only true and living God. Galatians chapter 6, turn there with me. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. It says, Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth unto the flesh soweth, reaps corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. You can't avoid it. Life will always give you what you work for. There's this term called carpe diem, seize the day. But what are you going to seize the day with? What are you going to seize the day with? Your choices will either gain you access to what you already possess or deny you access to what you already have. Period. I tell my kids all the time, life will give you what you work for. Life, if you don't work for nothing, guess what? Let's just take God out of it. Let's just take God out of it. I know some of y'all are like, oh, here we go. No, but it's in the earth. It's unavoidable. Life will always give you what you work for. It was a foundation upon which, how he built this earth. If you do nothing, amen. Number two, assess. Assess. Be real with who you are. Be real with who you are. Assess yourself. Know thyself. Check yourself out. Look in the mirror. Some of us need to be honest. All of us need to be humble and sit down somewhere. The enemy has a way of micro or macro managing us. If we're not careful and we don't recognize his tactics, either he's going to make you feel like you're less than what you should be or more than what you really are. And what God's word does is it balances out the scales so that we have to look at ourselves truly and say, this is who I am. But until we get there, God can't do nothing with you. If you think your PhD is what warrants you this position, well, guess what? Unless God built the city, the house, the wall, it, 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 it don't make no sense to stand there and try and defend it or to build it. Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Turn there quickly. 
Stanza 105 in the Amplified Classic, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, it says that the word of God will show you where you are on your feet, but it will also show you the path that you're heading down. It will. And guess what? The word of God is so powerful, it will even show you where the path you're heading down, even if it's wrong. Some of us avoid the word of God, avoid that time, sometimes because we really don't want another acknowledgement. I'm not beating you up. I'm just loving on you. Come on. Give yourself a hug. Give yourself a hug. I love you. Because, you know, the days of playing pity pat with the enemy, I'm telling you, there's a sifting right now that's going on in the spirit across the world. And it's sifting out the stubble. But it's keeping up with the hay. What you going to be? Sticks or hay? God says that you are the wheat. He says that you are the salt of the earth. Somebody else is depending on your revelation and what we're ministering. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Here it goes. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit. The word of God can tear apart and, and discern what your, what your mind is thinking and what the spirit is saying. And of joints and marrow, of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. The word of God, when we take it in because we believe it, it will carve out what shouldn't be there. It'll insert what should be there. It'll make known what needs to be eradicated, but then it'll make known what needs to be adopted. God is not hiding any good thing from his people. He desires his glory in the land. I mean, you just think about it. He's preserved his word through war, through floods, through fire, through earthquakes, through storms, and through the mischiefs of man until this day. And we're not talking about just the last 2,000 years since Jesus. We're talking about since the beginning of time. He's preserved his story. And baby girl and baby boy, you need to know, you ought to know that you're supposed to be the benefactor of this story. Men have fought wars over this book. I don't care how it got here. Call it what you want. God has manipulated it so that it is benefited and it is inserted and deposited into people, into people who believes. Period. Just had a doggone conversation in my head with a scholar from a while ago, calling it, you know, some other man's religion and, and calling it, you know, something that it wasn't. Call it what you will. It is the bread of life. God's, world will, God's word will correct your thinking and align your thoughts with his if you will allow it. Number three, learn. Learn. 
after you've made the decision, after you've assessed yourself, now it's time for you to learn. All too often, we make decisions to want to stop doing something, but how many of you know that just leaves a void? You have to replace it with doing something else. There is power in God's word, and it requires focus, intentionality, diligence to get it in you to retrain your thinking. When you are learning, you are acquiring knowledge so that you can hopefully take that knowledge to make benefits and I mean, make beneficial decisions towards better living. Second Peter chapter one, verse three, the, the second part of that, after he says he's given us all by his divine power, has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, he ends it by saying, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now understand this, there's this term called mental ascension. The devil knows scripture. I had a professor at the University of Michigan who was so versed in the book of Revelations, he taught the Apocrypha class. But guess what? He was an agnostic. He could quote the entire book. I mean, he knew it front and back. So I don't care. I know people, plenty of people, who know Scripture, who can quote Scripture front and back, but ain't living nothing. It's the word that you believe and the word that you receive. And to the degree that you allow it to make changes in your life is the degree to which it can bring victory into your life. We just talked about how it is sharper than any two-edged sword. The scalpel in its sharpest form ain't got nothing on the word of God. So taking time out to learn it, to ingest it, to make, it, uh, make a decision to believe it and receive it, but then to turn around and make sure you operate in it. Romans chapter 12, turn there with me, or use your fingers to punch there with me. Stop, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, in the Passion Translation. I mean, I, listen, I know Romans, like, but I tell you, I love this Passion Translation. It says here, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower who? It will empower you. It will empower me to discern God's will as who? As you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. This will empower you to discern God's will. You can only discern God's will by the reflection of his word in your life. It says here that we can't go with popular opinion. We don't care about what's trending. What we care about and what we vest in is what God has to say about what's going on in my life. All this that's going around. Listen, you could walk through a furnace unburned and not even have the stench of smoke on you. Don't, don't care about what's going on in anything from the White House to your house. If you are in Christ and you are changing the way you think actively, and, and sometimes people, you know, there's these two psychological terms. One is called behavior modification. That's when I don't feel like it. That's when I don't 
I'm not feeling this. I'm, it's, it's like, it's contrary. But behavior modification says, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to keep on doing it. I'm going to keep on waking up at 6 o'clock. I'm going to keep on spending my time in the Word. I'm going to keep on confessing. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to, I don't feel like it, and I don't see anything happening. I don't see anything changing. But because I believe and I know that He trusts me and He loves me, I'm going to keep on doing it. Whereas after a while, it becomes muscle memory and behavior. But in the process, there's this other term that's called cognitive dissonance. That's where there's a breaking away. There's a tearing away from what you're used to. And it crashes head on with what revelation you get on the other side. And in that collision, you make a decision. But if you make the decision for what's on the other side, there's the promises of God. Because if you could get it with what you already had, you would have had it by now. So number three, learn. Scripture talks about study to show yourself approved. Number four, lighten up. Lighten up. Share the extra. Share the extra. Pastor Greg was talking about this, and last week, <laughs> the right Reverend Allen ran around here with about 40, well, 50 or 60 pounds on his back. And um, praise the Lord. He was very slow to put that jacket back on. How many of y'all were here to see that? He was good the first round. That second round, I got in the car. I was like, babe, you should let him run with the little one on his back the first time. But anyway, lighten up. Gaining the prize requires focus. No distractions. Gaining the prize requires focus and no distractions. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Pastor Gregory read it out the King James, but I'm going to read it out the, the Passion Translation. It says in the Passion Translation, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already, say already? been marked out before us. It has already been marked out before us. But we got to let some stuff go. See, there's a reason why those track girls, those track runners, and even sw I, I swim. I mean, I run with somebody. She about this run. I try to run with somebody. She about five, one, five, two. She, but she got, she got the heart of just uh, somebody six feet tall. And them little bee legs like this. And I'm like, okay, because I'm a swimmer. But there's a reason why they run wearing what they wear because much more stuff will slow them down. It's called drag. But when you're running to win, you ain't trying to be out there with no three pounds of sweats, four pound sneakers. So basically, what am I saying? Some of us live this life still hurting from times past. I had a situation recently where, and this one, it broke my heart. I mean, it hurt me. I called my husband. He had to minister to me. Because someone that I love and care for dearly, and, you know, and, I, and at their hand, I had experienced some pretty bad times. I had. 
I had experienced some, some abuse, some pretty bad times, some just, just difficult times. But thank God for the blood of Jesus and the power of his word. I'm grown, moved on, living life. I ain't thinking no more about it. But this person, they're still in my life. Still love them dearly. And then they know if, I mean, if, I, if they need me, I'm there. I'm going to move heaven and earth to be there for them because what they did good for me was far better and more than what they did bad to me, although what they did bad to me was pretty bad. And I, and I want to help them in a situation, and someone else calls me and says, the reason why they're reluctant to receive their, your help is because they're scared to death. I'm like, why are they scared to death of me? He said, they're scared to death of you. That was actual terms. I'm like, why are they scared to death of me? Because they remember what they did to you in the past, and they think if you have that position to help them now, you'll get revenge. Sort of like Jacob and Esau. We are as Christians to forgive others, but let's not forget to forgive ourselves. And oftentimes the burdens we carry is what, from what somebody else told us, what somebody else did, or what, somebody, or what we did to somebody else. But if you don't get free from that, it will, it will create drag in your life whereby you, you might reach the finish line, but only out of your own strength. You didn't hand that baton to the fifth place Jesus so that he can make up the stagger. Turn with me to Acts chapter 24. And this is one thing that I see weighs down many. Acts chapter 24. Sometimes it's a matter, like Pastor Gregory said last week, that we just got to let go of that weight that's other people. Some of us are in relationships that we got to learn to love people from afar. Some of us need to be delivered from other people's opinions. I don't want to hurt their feelings. You can do things without hurting their feelings. But here we go right here. Acts 24, verse 16 in New King James, it says, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and towards men. So, you know, oftentimes I see the body of Christ is filled and heavy laden with offense. Just offended. Now, there's a place for offense. Don't get me wrong. But it's what you do with that offense that matters. And if we want to carry it around and we're going to adjust ourselves and we're going to operate in this realm because we're offended with the individual, guess what? You've given them control. And you take yourself out of the slot of the blessing. Jesus said, woe unto them that deal with offense and even those that are the perpetrators of it. But then there was a time where Jesus was offended, so much so he turned up the whole church. For righteousness sake. Amen. So don't allow yourself to be stuck in offense. It's like quickstand when you were made to walk on water. Okay? Number five, train. Train. Now, faith requires work. It comes with resistance, but we are stronger in Christ. Second, first Timothy, 
Chapter 6, verse 12 in the Passion Translation says, So fight with faith for the winner's prize. Lay your hands upon eternal life, for this is your calling, celebrating in faith before the multitude of witnesses. He's saying, so fight with faith for the winner's prize. There's no other time that God says fight or faith. I mean, fight or work until he's talking about fight, the good fight of faith or labor to enter into his rest. He don't talk about fighting no other time. But the work that we have to do within ourselves, it is a fight to stay in faith. Oh, some of y'all moving mountains. I'm sorry. I'm talking to myself. Father, I, Daddy, I thank you for helping me by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives big on the inside of me. Because sometimes I don't feel like fighting a good fight of faith. Sometimes fear sets in. Sometimes I wonder if this is really you. Sometimes. I just had to speak to myself and build myself up in the Holy Spirit. So I thank you, Father, for the power of the Holy Spirit because sometimes I have to fight extra hard and sometimes I don't want to fight. But I thank you that you said that your burden was easy and your yoke was light and take that because I know that my fight of faith is way easier than what sin has on the other side than what fear has on the other side, than what doubt has on the other side. Now, you know, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, let me read this to you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 in the Amplified, it says, Let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves to strive diligently to enter that rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves, that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience unto which those in the wilderness fell. So in other words, because what preceded that was a story about this season, the Passover season, when they did not enter into the promised land, so they could have entered into his rest in 40 days. But inside, instead, because of their disobedience and because of their lack of faith, they wandered and they labored for 40 years. They got there. But whether you're going to try and run off all parts of that relay race yourself or whether you're going to pass that baton on to, the, to, to Jesus is up to you. When he says train there, that word train comes, comes with the significance of a tearing apart and building back up. A tearing apart and building back up. In martial arts, uh, Gerald, Gerald's a great example. Gerald's one of our, uh, um, I call him watchers, watchmen. The MOD is one of our ministry people. And, 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 and I was like, I saw his knuckles and I knew what that was all about because he used to box. And, um, you know, he's very serious kind of dude. And so I remember in martial arts, it reminded me, because in martial arts, we would have to stand at a brick cylinder wall and just hit our head against the wall over and over and over and over again. Because hitting your head against the wall, though it hurt, not too hard, but hard enough where you felt it, because in that, you made yourself stronger. We would have to do blocks over and over and over again, blood vessels purple and red. Because in that, you got stronger. Gerald's knuckles was busted up and bleeding and scabbed up because in hitting that bag made his knuckles able to take the fight. Don't think for a moment what you're going through is there to take you out. If you have the winner's position, what you're going through is just setting your, yourself up for the greater victory on the other side. When it feels like you're down and out, 
it's just setting you up for a greater comeback. When it feels like you're tired and you're worn down, it's just time to strengthen you up so you can take a peek at that playbook and rise back up. Number six, when. When. After you've made the decision, after you've assessed yourself, you learn the playbook, you lighten up, you train. Now you go out there and you win. Jesus fixed the race. He has the perfect playbook. Call the Bible what you want, but for me, the Bible is the acronym, the book of instructions before leaving earth. He has the perfect playbook, and he has never failed. I don't care if you lost a loved one in Christ. Guess what, baby? We don't lose because we resurrect. Death don't hold us down. We even win in death when you're in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 in the Passion, verses 3 and 4, it says, Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts and when he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Mind you, God did not plan on us to fall. So when he created us before the very foundation of the earth, all he created us to do was win. There was no plan B. In fact, he's so committed to plan A that he sent Jesus Christ to circumvent the process so we can stick with plan A. It says he has already lavished upon us every spiritual blessing. Some of us are like, that's spiritual blessings, Pastor Trish, spiritual blessings. It is in spiritual blessings that you get the natural blessing. It is in the spiritual blessing that you get eternal life. And sometimes winning means dealing with and overcoming that thing that you don't particularly care about. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're that person that don't like loud, loudness, loud people, you know, I can get loud. So you might not like me when I'm loud. It's all right. I still love you. But if you deal with, if you're just one of those people that I just can't stand sometimes, I just can't stand people that's just loud or, or, you know, like me, sometimes I'm just like get irritated by people that just want to talk this close to you. That's that Asian in me. You know, the Asian people, they stay far away and, and bow. Don't hug. <laughs> don't get too close to me. But guess what? Winning means loving on and dealing with somebody talking that close to you. Sometimes winning means dealing with and loving on that person that's loud as I don't know what. That's that training to win. Training to win. That training to win. Y'all remember Alvin Iverson? What was one of, the, one of the quotes he was known for? Practice? Are we talking about practice? It is on the practice side that you are confident enough to walk in your winning. Amen. And if we're not, if all we're doing is saying scripture to ourselves, but not putting, taking out the opportunity to exercise that scripture, we're just hiding behind the drills. 
We're just hiding behind the laps. But when it's time to get them them blocks and that gun goes off, we ain't got no steam to finish the race. But when you're in Christ, you can run. He'll not grow weary. And he'll take you up on eagle's wings. And he'll take that baton and win it for you. Amen. Amen. And number seven, repeat. Repeat. Choose. Assess. Learn. Train. Win. Repeat. Choose. Assess. Learn. Train. Win. Repeat. What? Choose. Assess. Learn. Lighten up. I'm sorry. Lighten up. Train. Win. Choose. Assess. Learn. Lighten up. Train. Win. Repeat. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 in the Passion Translation. You know, this used to be one of those meditations of mine because, mind you, sometimes, you know, when God has been good to you, I mean, I personally believe that I am God's favorite child. No, no, no shade, no shade. <laughs> you, should be, you should believe that too. But, you know, sometimes in religious circles, when we learn a little something and get a little something, experience the goodness of God, we can become sometimes a little haughty, you know, and we can get this here spirit about us. And, 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 and Paul was just a beast. Paul was an accomplished dude. Earlier in Philippians chapter 3, he goes on this laundry list of his accomplishments. He's like, what? What? As far as being a Jew, I'm a Pharisee. I know it all. What? As far as taking the punishment, I've withstood scourgings and beatings. What? As far as being a being a, 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 a zealous for the law, I used to watch them get beat and hold their clothes. What? I can. I've done it all. I've accomplished. All. What? I'm a citizen of the Roman Empire as well as being a Jew among Jews. There ain't nothing they got on me. I'm more than qualified. He just ran on this here. I'm a learned man. I can interpret things. I speak Hebrew and Greek. What? And then he says, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, however I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for a divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. King James puts it like this, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. He says, this one thing I do. He says, I forget those things which are behind, and I continue to reach forth to, unto those which are before. I press towards the mark. He says, I press against my mind. I press against my past accomplishments. I press against what they tell me. I press against popular opinion. I'm pressing against the civility. I'm pressing against what's acceptable. I'm pressing against my body. I'm pressing against my mind. I'm pressing against all these things that come against me because I want that prize. Because I want that prize in Christ Jesus. So I don't care what you've accomplished yesterday, and I don't care what you failed at yesterday. Continue pressing, baby. Repeat. Repeat. 
Do y'all get anything out of that? So right now, as we wind this down, as we get ready to land the plane, while people are searching their hearts, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, again in the Passion, he finalizes it and he ends it by saying this, for this reason, I don't run just for exercise or box like one throwing aimless punches. In other words, I'm running this race to win it. I'm not just trying to lose weight or shadow box. I'm running this race to win it. He says, but I train like a champion athlete. I subdue my body and I get it under my control so that after preaching the good news to others, I myself won't be disqualified. After I've preached this gospel to others, I myself won't be disqualified. Now, this is Paul, the man of God that penned two-thirds of the New Testament. And he says, I'm not running just to be running. I'm running to win. I've aligned myself, and I've been drafted into the greatest team of all time. So, what are you doing? Are you on the relay team? that ends up winning while you're searching your heart and being real with yourself, assessing yourself? Or are you like that dog running in circles? Never crossing the finish line. Frustrated with yourself, but mad at everybody else. So I'm speaking to the heart of who you are. Because the, the Spirit of God, He wants you to win. Because He shows up in winning. You notice in that first film, that video clip, that, that one little clip for a minute and 46 seconds, I think, panned in on those first three winners, those first three placers. Didn't even have that fifth place girl in the shot. Didn't even consider her coming around that bend. They had already given it to the one that was catching up, the second place, third place runner. And it wasn't until that last turn that that girl said, you know what, I'm finding my way into this shot and I'm aiming for that finish line. Don't even know who ran the first three legs of the race. All we know is the one who won it. And maybe that's your life. You're not on Jesus' team. Maybe you think you are, but you're not sure. You haven't ever asked Jesus to come into your heart. You haven't had a real experience with him. You've been religious. Thank God. Might even pray over your food. But you haven't really received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And he wants to erase the years of yesterday. Take the baton now and take you to the finish line. He don't want you running in circles anymore, chasing for something that you already have. So if that's you, I would love to pray with and for you. If you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, while people are searching their hearts right now, assessing themselves, you, want, you got your own opinions, 
you don't agree with this, you don't agree with that. You do agree with this, you do agree with that. God don't care about your opinions. Because he's all into re 